0: Hello and welcome to Ways Women Lead, the podcast where remarkable female leaders share their personal journeys and offer valuable guidance on advancing your career
1: as a woman in leadership. Join host Anna Gramadska and her guests as they delve into various aspects of leadership, including diversity, equity, and inclusion.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Six Group, a global executive search and leadership advisory firm. Pascal, uh welcome. It is great to have you here. So you're currently a managing director and president of the board of directors at VARO Energy Tank Storage. And and for those who don't know who VARO is, because we have listeners from different industries, not everyone is familiar with this company. Uh, so Varro is a leading European energy company uh, operating throughout the complete energy supply chain. So trading, marketing, manufacturing, storage, distribution and retail. And your career covers uh, over 20 years in the oil and gas and, and chemicals. Uh, and you've been uh, working for some of the major multinational businesses such as Lanxess and OMV and more recently Varro, which you joined in 2019. Uh, a mechanical engineer by background, uh, with a PhD at Vienna University of Technology. So uh, let's start from the beginning. I'm I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about what kept you fascinated throughout all these years about the industry. What's what do you find most fascinating about working for your current organization and in being in your current position?
1: Uh, well, I,
0: I think the whole thing started
1: quite early with my father. You know, he's a chemist. And I, I was more or less raised the first years of my life life in a laboratory. And um, when I started to, also when I was a teenager and was allowed to start working in my summer holidays, I always uh, went for the company of my father um, to take samples. So he was a chemist for environmental chemistry. And then there was this the second or third year and we visited OMV. So this is a big refinery close to Schwächel, close to Vienna. And I was there uh, and yeah, I fall in love, you know, with distillation columns, with all the pumps, with the heat exchanger. It was just so fascinating that I realized this is where I want to be. So unlucky for my father, I never worked for him again. So I went then more to the chemical industry. I worked for Clarion, for Merck. And after I finished university, um, I was lucky I could join OMB as a process engineer. And then being the first time in a refinery, being responsible for the plants, being at the same time developed to shift manager and work with the people to get the whole thing running. This was really super inspiring at the beginning. But the awesome thing about the industry is you get so many opportunities. You really, you you have every two, three years opportunity to, to grow and go on. So I started as a process engineer, then I became shift manager of the refinery, started to become deputy head of a big terminal, become uh, head of the Austrian gas storages, a totally different environment. Uh, then I moved to the chemical industry. Suddenly you talk about chemical reactions. Uh, you had artificial intelligence to optimize chemical processes. It was so fascinating. And then I now back to the oil industry, which is at the moment, from my point of view, the most interesting part to be because we are at the border to energy transition we are talking now about what is the, the energy we want to use the next 20 years or 50 years or in 100 years and there's still I think a lot of space for hydrocarbons uh, for the next years but the future energies will come and the oil companies now are really face this challenge how to move into the next generation which is awesome
0: I imagine your role involves a lot of problem solving.
1: Oh, well, yes, that's a big part of it. And uh-huh. mostly every day you have some uh, on a different level, you know, engineering issues, but also with your people. We have a lot of operators. It's always fun to solve these uh, topics.
0: Uh-huh. What are the most exciting projects you are working on
1: right now? Uh, a cultural change. So uh-huh. it's really, when it came to borrow, they had a super high safety level already, Mm -hmm. but I thought we can improve this even further. Mm -hmm. So we started to build our own fire department, which is something completely new uh, in this part of the company. Uh, And we had uh, two weeks ago, we got a question from an operator who asked, you know, we have this life jacket at the harbor, but if I fall into the water with the shoes, with all the clothing, with the helmet, will I survive? Will it help me to get up? And the decision we made is okay. Let's try it. We push our people into the water and have a look uh, how it is going. Mm-hmm. And then I have seen from my uh, fire department chief how much energy he put in this whole test. So he mm-hmm. talked to fight uh, to uh, rescue teams from Austria, from Switzerland and from Germany. He organized the water police so that we have a safe space where we can really do this. Mm-hmm. And three weeks ago, we really did it. So twenty people of my team come to the office on a Saturday where they could also be at home and enjoy their time. Mm -hmm. And we pushed them into, actually they jumped into the water uh, Mm -hmm. and let themselves be rescued. And I thought this was just such an awesome way to to show safety is important. It's even more important how we develop and how much passion people can show when you give them the right uh, opportunities and the right tasks to do.
0: Uh So you have your own fire department and the organization. Yes, exactly. So
1: if you Uh go into a fire, you see like nothing. You are happy if you see 30 or 40 Uh centimetres. And because of this, this was also a very good way to make team building. -hmm. And yeah, if you've seen a fire, you know what it means, and then you are totally have a totally different awareness of safety and act accordingly.
0: Uh And so it's individuals who are part of your team, but uh, on a day-to-day basis, they have different roles. But now they are part of this.
1: they're allowed to do it next to their normal work (laughs) so it's a Uh job enrichment so Uh i said when we started it okay if we do this we go all in that was always the the thing what we wanted to say that our people have to do it on their free will so we Mm -hmm. don't ask anybody to do it or Mm -hmm. say you have to do it Mm -hmm. Uh, but if they do it they get all the education uh, they get the training they need and they have also fun with it you know and my my head of the fire department he's so happy when we make a training and the last time was come hey Pascal have you seen it they do this correctly they were only once in a training and they're already that good they were so aware of the situation Mm -hmm. and he's super happy so Uh Andreas well done
0: fascinating fascinating and when it comes to you as a leader what would you say have been your the events or people that have influenced you the most or maybe shaped your career the most
1: Uh, i think we have to differentiate between events and people Mm -hmm. so on the event side it's more like not a single event it was more a time and this was uh, when i joined OMB Mm -hmm. and OMB had a very good way how to get us young academics which know nothing about real world uh, Mm -hmm. into the real world and what they did is We came to OMB, they said, okay, you have now one year time. During that time, we educate you to become shift manager. Mm -hmm. And after this one year, you had your own shift. So I had 100 people in my responsibility. I was responsible for the refinery. Uh, I was responsible if there was an incident to talk with the police, to talk with authorities. Uh, If there's noise or, or smell or whatever and neighbors called, I went to the neighbors. I had to talk with them. So o and threw us into the water and checked what is in us. So are we managers? Are we better suited for project management? Are you better suited to become an expert? And it also gave me the time to learn a lot about of myself. Mm-hmm. Because after one year, who has the chance to lead 100 people? Mm-hmm. So this this was a great experience. And in regard to the people, uh, I, see, I have seen... With every interaction, you can learn something. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of managers and I saw a lot of leaders. And I realized, you know, there are some managers who worked very well for me. Where I said, this is just flawless and it's nice to work with this person. And there were also the managers where I said, oh my God, do I really want to work with this person? Mm -hmm. But if you reflect back, from each of them, you could learn something. Sometimes you learn, this is a, a, a way of leading I don't want to do. But Mm -hmm. nevertheless, you get this skill, how this works for you, this way of leadership. And there are situations where I now also use tools, which I didn't like at the beginning, but I realized in the right situation with the right metrics surrounding, it is the right tool to get to the solution.
0: So could you give me an example of both? Uh,
1: (laughs) Of both. (laughs) Yeah. So what I really hate, what I really hate is this very autocratic uh, deciding on what is what we do. Mm-hmm. Because I, I love to have this more democratic approach where people, you know, talk it through, find a good solution together and, and do it. But in my career, I had one a co-worker, he was responsible for a laboratory and he really struggled with getting the things done till the right time. And then I really used what is a task related management, which means, okay, here we have our timeline. I expect you on the 25th of September to deliver this, uh, try to get this uh, quality done. Uh, And with this, this helped him actually uh, to focus and to deliver on time. So on the other hand side, I have uh, my HECQ head uh, in my current position. And he's so self-driven, uh, I can be totally less fair. You know, I say, you know, you make it uh, if you need help, if you need guidance, if you need a decision, come to me. Uh, but I trust you. And he's really performing well. He is now also making leadership training. So he's also challenging me back sometimes and says, OK, let's do it that way. Mm -hmm. And this is so enriching seeing how your people can grow if you give them the right space, but also how people can start to deliver on time in quality
0: if you really restrict them. Mm -hmm. And I
1: think Mm -hmm. that's just interesting.
0: So with the first example, with the first person, it was about setting a very um, kind of clear Clear
1: targets, clear Uh Mm timelines and not accepting that, you know, the first time you come, oh, I had this and this, sure, sorry, I don't accept this. You have to deliver on that Mm -hmm. time and Mm -hmm. that date and you have to be more concrete in why you couldn't deliver. Mm -hmm. And it took a while, but at the end it worked super well. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. It's very important to adapt, isn't it? Some people, as you said, are self-starters and self-driven and others need a little bit more structured kind of framework.
1: Yeah, I think there are so many different ways how to manage, you know, you Mm -hmm. can be task oriented management, you can be autocratic, you can be this democratic, you Mm -hmm. can do less affair. And I think that the challenge for a manager is two things. First, realize in what situation you are, which Mm -hmm. people do you have in your surrounding, and then use the right style to motivate and get the best out of the people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and, and I think what you just said is a perfect example of it, isn't it? That the two the two people in part of the same team would need a completely different approach to deliver similar results. Yeah. What would you say was the best day or the best experience throughout your career? Is the one that stands out in your memory?
1: yeah one is very difficult because i'm always happy when my team performs well when my people get promoted when you really see them strive and improve uh therefore there is not one single thing what i really like is as as i mentioned my co-worker for the agency department when i see how he really developed now this this is just it makes me happy because i know in actually if i retire now okay i'm a little bit too old i'm too young for that he can already jump in and mm-hmm. i think that's always good to see your people moving forward and that i think that makes me proud and this gives me the energy to walk to, to work the way i do
0: yeah, so your passion is developing people developing teams would you say that yes definitely uh, yeah i can tell definitely from speaking with you what was the day that you struggled the most and why uh
1: yeah that is a lot easier to answer Uh, And it's a very personal story. I think when I was seven, eight, I went to my mother. So my parents were divorced at that time. And I told to my mother, I said, you know, I feel different. I I, I don't feel as a boy. Uh, I feel as a woman or as a girl. Uh, And I wanted to wear girl clothes. And also maybe because of the time, you know, it was the 80s. My mother, she absolutely didn't understand what I want to tell her. And when I told her I want to dance belly, I think this is just great. She said, no, this is nothing you do. You are boy. this is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And this really harmed me as I I am transgender. And it took me more than 30 years to start to accept who I am Mm -hmm. and say, yes, this is me. And it's not wrong to be what I am. It is how I am. So as I mentioned, my parents were divorced and there was the time when I had to talk to my father about this. And as my mother didn't give me a good feedback, I was afraid my father would do the same. So when I was young, I never told my father about this because I was just afraid that I get the same, not encouraging feedback. Mm -hmm. And then was the time I had to call him. And it was really, I called, typed the number in the first time, the second time, the fourth time, never pushed the green button. And Then I did it and my father was there and I said, Dad, I I have to talk to you. I have to tell you something very important for me. And I told him, you know, I I don't feel as a man. I feel as a woman I'm transgender and I I need to transition. This is, I, I want to live as the person I am. And then without waiting a second, my father said, Pascal, you know what? I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I care that you're happy and that you're healthy. And I struggled the whole day to tile his number and I was so afraid. And then I got this feedback. I was just crying in the car and was uh, on the way home. And I was so happy that it had such a positive end for me. To hear that,
0: that the feedback was, was so positive in me, I imagine it's it must be such a difficult moment to to have to express that, to have to talk about it.
1: Yeah, but especially it, it ended fabulous. And... Mm-hmm. It, it was just awesome. It was really from the day I really struggled. I was so afraid to become one of the best days of my life.
0: It's amazing. That's that's a wonderful story. And um, following from this on we discussed uh, before um, the period of your transition, and that was at Varo. And you told me how, well, again, you had to have conversations which are not your everyday conversations, right? And I think they require a lot of courage. Because people tend to keep, I guess, their personal stuff Personally, they don't, especially at work, right? Nonetheless, Varro made you feel comfortable to be yourself. You've been through a period of transition and you feel you can be who you are. You can be yourself within the organization. So I imagine that would be a very inspiring story for so many people. Could you tell me a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, actually it was quite fun. So I joined Varro and one of the points was the slogan. It said, Varro makes energy colorful. Mm-hmm. And this also me. Oh, this sounds nice. You know, I, I already knew at that time that I want to transition, mm-hmm. and I thought like, oh yeah, young, dynamic, and we they had pictures where they made things together, like going uh, with a boat out uh, on the on the lake, and I thought, yeah, this can be the right environment. Mm-hmm. So I I joined VARO, Then I want first to take a look at the internet. What is their codes on diversity and inclusive? I didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit like. What's going on okay maybe it's not the right company maybe it's the wrong environment but let's see, give it a chance and then there was this one day and i will never forget it was a uh, villain my boss at that time and you know he's like was shortly before retirement he was one of these old oil dinosaurs so i think he was born out of oil had oil in his vein and he will be oil when he's gone again <laughs> and this person sat with us in a meeting and he said something is wrong here. Yeah. And we were all looking, it was a Webex conference. I said, look at the screens. What do you see? So at the end, there were six male, white guys talking about oil and uh, things. And they said, you know, we really have to work on our diversity. It's that's the right way. This is giving more creativity. And And I thought, this guy, who is really like as i said oil dinosaur he mm-hmm. is talking about uh, diversity and i thought maybe this is the design i needed mm-hmm. so i made a webex meeting with him on friday evening mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he came in and I said you know i have to talk to you mm-hmm. and i showed him a picture of me already wearing women clothes and mm-hmm. uh, having some makeup mm-hmm. and he was like what are you showing me here and i said you know this is, is me i'm transgender." Uh, I want to transition and I ask you to support me and help me in this. Or at least give me enough time that I can find a new job before you fire me. Uh
0: Is that what
1: you said? Yeah, yeah, it was. Not exactly the but it was. And he said, you know, Pascal, I don't know what I see here. I don't understand it at the moment, Uh Uh, but I will call our CEO and talk with our HR director. And let's see, I give you a note on Monday. So the whole weekend, I was like, oh, my God, what have you done? He didn't Mm -hmm. understand. He has no clue what I'm telling him. It's Mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. And then he gave me a call on Monday and said, Pascal, uh, I understand what you mean. Uh, And I talked to these two guys, and you have 100% support. This is new for us. So please help us uh, Mm -hmm. to help you to come through this phase and to do everything together. Mm -hmm. And I thought it is awesome if this person educate himself during the weekend what does it mean what is standing behind it Mm -hmm. organize everything that the board is supporting me that was awesome and Mm -hmm. yeah then we more or less it took a month where we prepared everything how i want to have my coming out whom do i want to inform how i want to use also this coming out to encourage other people to feel safe in our company Mm -hmm. and then i had my big coming out and it was Really wonderful because the whole company was standing behind me and I made it also very publicly because I said, if I'm struggling with this topic, maybe other people also struggle. Mm -hmm. So I decided we have had our own Blackboard internally and I decided I put a note on this Blackboard telling the people, you know, I'm transgender, I will transition. And if you have questions, uh, call me. Give me a note. So it was a bit it was longer and uh, more inspiring. Uh, the text mm-hmm. but basically I said, be open, t- discuss with me. And I got uh, nearly 100 feedbacks on this. Uh, We've thumb up with Pascal Crate. We are happy you are, can finally live as the person mm-hmm. you are. It was super inspiring. And then you have seen Varo is really diverse, inclusive. Even though they didn't have the big writings, they varied from the culture. Uh-huh. And I think that's important that you have the right culture in your company to be able to be diverse and inclusive at the same time.
0: Uh-huh. I think it's interesting because of when it comes to diversity and inclusion, it's important that uh, on one end, uh, organizations are welcoming. But on the other hand, it's important to hear stories of people who have shared, you know, their personal stories and have had the courage to speak out to encourage other people to talk because um, I speak a lot of for example about um, women in leadership positions it's all about having the courage to to talk to ask for more to ask for changes in the culture to ask for I don't know promotions or whatever so those both parts are really important you know not only organization being welcoming but also you speaking out and encouraging other people to speak out—it's—it's it's crucial. But when it comes to the organization, how would you? What, what was it about Varro that made it so encouraging? How other organizations could replicate that? What would you suggest to other organizations to do to make their culture welcoming and and to create that psychological safety for other people to, you know, be themselves? Uh,
1: I think it's a. Uh... Very individual approach for each company mm-hmm. because uh, you you have you know your company values, and you live in this in a certain matrix of culture. So it's a different approach if you're a company in a country where maybe homosexuality is still under death penalty, mm-hmm. compared to a very liberal country like Switzerland, and you need to have different approaches. I think the important thing is that as a company you take the time and give the space for people to educate. Mm-hmm. So it's not only you know we make trainings on code of conduct. We make trainings on cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. and also make a training on diversity. Make mm-hmm. it on uh, hidden biases. Mm-hmm. And I had such a good example. My my partner she joined a new company, mm-hmm. and had some trainings. And there was slides, and it was already kind of okay. It was he, she, manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you feel okay. This is is already a good step. But then mm-hmm. the person who presented the slides was mm-hmm. always seeing the manager as he. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so crazy that we we are not able to separate this to say they or to say also she the manager. It's mm-hmm. just he is the manager. He is the doctor, mm-hmm. and she's the assistant. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something companies have to work on and i think as a company you not only have a responsible to care for your employees but you also have a responsible for the society Mm. and what i mean is you have to educate your people and Mm. the more people which are educated on these different topics the more likely is that also the society changes and adapts And, Mm. and this is the step i'm currently missing in most companies you know they they have their policies and it's nice and written Uh, But I don't see that a lot of effort is done to really, that the people can understand what is diversity. What is, why do we have still say he as a manager and not she, or why don't we say they as a manager? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And things like that, they really need to develop. And companies need to put effort into training. And then the values of the people, of the society will change. And with this, it becomes natural that you accept people which are diverse.
0: It's it's all about education and then just um, creating the right role models. I, I think even changes like Disney is very heavy now about creating oh, yes. new types of movies that include, you know, not only women being princesses and only white people, <laughs> but people of, of, of different backgrounds and orientations and ethnicities. What we see, that's what we believe, right? So it's it's crucial to make sure that things that we watch all the time represent the yes. values that we want to see. And you just brought a wonderful example
1: with Disney. In the Lightyear movie, they had this scene where two women were kissing each other. Yeah. And there were some countries which said to Disney, you know, if you leave this scene in, we don't play your movie. And yeah. Disney said, okay, then don't play our movie because it's important for us and this mm. is w- what i mean that you really stand behind diversity and inclusiveness it's not that you earn more money it's also it's more important that you share the value and and yeah. bring this forward and that's what i hate so much about some companies who come in june with their nice rainbow flags And there's nothing behind this. This pink washing Mm -hmm. is so increasing in the last years. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think that's not honest. You know, if you want to use the rainbow flag to show you're diverse, then also have something behind it. Stay Mm -hmm. to the values, define the values, educate the people uh, Mm -hmm. and make diversity as the normalest thing and inclusiveness as the normalest thing because we are all people.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what are the biggest mistakes you see companies doing? So, so you you started to, talking about it. It's the pinkwashing. Um, how would you, in practice, how would you, what would you say companies should do instead? Uh,
1: well, yeah, stay to the things you are saying. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, nowadays, you know, everybody can look into the internet and can check what is this company about. What are their mm-hmm. values? What is what what do employees see? about the company and also employees which left the company. And I think what is totally wrong from my point of view is, for example, if you have like a nice talk about or uh, you put on this rainbow flags, you sell rainbow drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in reality, there's nothing else behind it. You don't educate people, you mm-hmm. don't uh, spend some money on on company or on uh, LGBT topics. So yeah, exactly. So. If you do something then do it right and don't mm-hmm. say something but also act
0: and mm-hmm. as long
1: as no act is behind it uh this is uh there's no value there. and mm-hmm. these companies need to change because people realize if you really stand or have the right values or if you just put in uh, a poster and that's it
0: i think it's really encouraging i think you know especially people you know little boys and girls the next generation will be completely different, I think, because, yes, there, there are still a long way for a lot of organisations, as you said. There is a lot of superficial kind of activities that don't actually, you know, there isn't anything in practice in place, like education or, or, or KPIs or, or values that, are reflected, that reflect diversity and inclusion. But there is, on the other hand, there is a lot of changes that are being made as well. I think the next generation will be so much more educated and so much more aware uh, and inclusive and and I think it's encouraging and and, and I think you know part of uh, that change process and, and this journey towards a more diverse world is having these discussions and just making people aware of the topics that are important. Yes, exactly. And, you know,
1: you can start with very little things. For example, we have a welcome letter. So when we have a new employee, the employee Mm -hmm. writes down some of the things. So what is his hobby? What is his favorite book? What is his favorite dish? Mm -hmm. And the first question is, what is Mm -hmm. your pronoun?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And this is, you know, in 99%, the pronoun is fitting to the name. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just that you ask this question and Mm -hmm. give your employee the space to say, I have another pronoun than what you see on the picture, what you read on the name. And Lord, this is already sending a tiny message. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. this is maybe a starting point. These tiny things just to say, we are open. We are interested in you as a person. We are interested Mm -hmm. in your pronouns and who you are. I Mm -hmm. think that's also very important.
0: What other initiatives like this would you give us an example of of the great things that you've seen? Mm, Yeah, you know, it's
1: mainly educated people it's really Mm -hmm. make trainings be Mm -hmm. behind it if you for example what a very easy thing you can do put your pronouns in the email address Mm -hmm. you know this is also a sign it's important for me that you care about my pronouns but it Mm -hmm. also says i will care about your pronouns if Mm -hmm. you want something special Mm -hmm. and at the end it is really find where your people are Mm -hmm. define a goal where you want to be in uh, regard to diversity Find the right group of people within your organization. Give them the right budgets that they also Mm -hmm. can change something Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and let them change things.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And on that note, uh, thank you very much. Uh, It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I think there's a lot of food for thought in what you said, and I hope, I'm sure it'll be an inspiration for many people. Uh, I was talking to another lady the other day and and we thought, and we would have loved for you know, podcasts like these to be more available when we're younger and we're just graduating universities would be very, very useful. So I'm glad that these days we can spread the good word, you know, more easily.
1: Yes, also, thank you for the nice talk. Uh, I was very happy to talk about my situation and about uh, LGBT a little bit. Everybody is welcome to contact me on LinkedIn or whatever and uh, have a chat with me. And I hope I can also give some advice or help or just chat about this topic.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much. It's been a
1: pleasure. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That's it for this month's Ways Women Lead episode. But there is plenty more insightful and actionable advice from where this podcast came from. Check out our website on www.6-group.com if you'd like to know more about how to build and develop diverse, inclusive, and effective leadership teams and how to progress your career as a leader. See you next time.